The World Cup on off the ball, covering the good, the bad, and well, the ugly of what's happening in Qatar. Neymar can push the ball between your legs because he just sees things. Subscribe to the OTB Football Podcast feed now. All right, well, OTB Sports in partnership with Science Week. Science Week, helping us explore the infinite possibilities science offers and the role of science in delivering solutions that support our future opportunities and challenges. It's taking place from the 13th to 20th of November, and you can find out how you can get involved by visiting scienceweek.ie. We're going to get into one of the topics now that I know Science Week are covering uh, quite heavily across the next uh, next couple of weeks and while. Uh, It's the area of mental health. Uh, and I guess uh, accelerating efforts around mental health and infectious diseases and improving the quality of life, um, improving the treatment for mental health uh, issues as well. Um, and joining me to discuss her journey on, on the mental health uh, frame as well uh, is someone who's a bit of an, a sporting all-rounder, uh, a familiar face to off-the-ball viewers, Hannah Tyrrell, Irish rugby international, sevens international, Dublin footballer. Uh, she's played soccer in the Women's National League as well. Uh, Hannah, how are you keeping? Hi, Shane. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Not so bad. Keeping well. Good to have you on. And uh, all rounder, I think, is a is a good way to describe you. Because if there was a if there's a sport that someone has heard of, there's a chance that you've played at at national or international levels, such as your proficiency. <laughs> ah, yeah. Look, I've just been very lucky, I suppose, in my career to um, have got to play with some incredible teams and some incredible teammates. Um, you know, and I just love sports. It's been a big part of my life, and um, I'm very grateful that I've been involved in in what I have been in my career so far. For sure, hundred um, percent. Hannah, I, I suppose we, we wanted to talk to yourself about um, your own mental health journey, and I know it's it's a, a difficult thing to talk about. But but when you did come out and, and talk about it, it, it certainly um, I know did good things in terms of uh, you know you being a role model, allowing yourself to open up, and maybe maybe other people kind of saw that as well. Maybe tell us a little bit about about your own journey and your decision to kind of come out and and uh, I guess express that journey publicly. Yeah, I suppose um, from a young teenager, um, you know, I was always into sport and always playing sport and had a great family life. But I, I suppose I always had some high standards for myself that, you know, looking back now, were a little bit too high and weren't really achievable. And I started to have a lot of doubts about myself and felt like I, I wasn't good enough um, in many aspects of my life. And I... I started to maybe try and change my appearance. I thought that might, you know, be a life-changing thing for me in that if I I was skinnier, you know, I might play better on the pitch. I might be prettier. People might like me better. And I had all these unrealistic ideas in my head and I had a very negative view of myself. And um, I started restricting my food intake and and one thing led to another and I ended up um, basically having an eating disorder in the form of bulimia where I would try and restrict my food and um, but then I would binge and eat a lot uh, at one time and then I would make myself sick afterwards because of that guilt and shame um, and I, I kind of got stuck in a cycle of that you know feeling really crappy so comfort eating and then making myself sick and feeling really crappy about that afterwards and I also began to self-harm around the same time and again for me self-harm was like a punishment for not being good enough I as I said, I had all these high standards and expectations for myself, but they weren't realistic and they weren't achievable. So I was constantly a failure in, in my eyes. And, you know, uh, the self-harm and the idea and urge to self-harm would not go away until I did. And afterwards, I would have very brief relief or respite. Um, but unfortunately, that feeling of hatred and shame and 
repulsiveness would would return and I got stuck in that cycle of my eating disorder and my self-harm and you know I was very young and vulnerable I was only 12 or 13 and I didn't really realize what I was doing I just knew that it wasn't something I should have been doing Um, and I knew that people would maybe think of me differently had they known I was doing it so I kept it to myself and I put on this facade and this mask uh, to the outside world that everything was great you know my life was great and I was very happy Um, and it certainly looked that way with sport and school and family life but deep down I just had this constant negative thoughts about myself and I was physically and emotionally hurting myself and that continued for a number of years, uh, progressively getting worse. Nobody uh, any wiser to it. I was so so good at putting on that um, that mask that, you know, people didn't realize what I was struggling with. And I, I was really afraid to come out in case people, you know, the stigma around mental health in, a case, in case people thought I was crazy and I was a weirdo and this, that and the other. But another big fear was that I was afraid that nobody would be able to help or that nobody would understand. And when I was going through it, there wasn't a huge amount out there about mental health. There wasn't a well-being week. There wasn't mental health awareness day. Or if there was, it wasn't very well promoted. And I suppose the reason I, I'm very happy and willing to speak about my journey now that I've come through it all is because I don't want anybody else to feel like that. And I want to make it easier for people to reach out and ask for help and not have to struggle the way I did. Because we all go through our challenges you know, throughout our life and it affects some more than others, but there is always help out there. And I suppose I'm just trying to remove that stigma and and help people reach out and and get the help that they need and the help that they deserve. And I suppose that help that that you speak about, like the the science and research improvements, uh, and that's one thing that's being spoken about this Science Week is that the the improvements have been tremendous in in those areas. Um, And look, it's easy for us to say that, but, but uh, how did you find, uh, you know, the, the treatment for mental health services and, and how have you noticed improvements even in the last 10, 20 years in Ireland that the people maybe maybe feel more comfortable in, in, in reaching out and, and going to a professional? Yeah, look, absolutely. There's so many charities and institutions and, and counsellors out there. You know, for me, I was lucky around the time that people did actually start to find out that I was struggling with my my self-harm and my eating disorder. Pieta House wasn't long open, you know, and now they're a major charity that helps so many families around Ireland. Um, but back then they were very, very small. So it's great to see like they've expanded and opened up way more centres across the country. Um, you know, which is great to see. And with so many uh, brilliant charities out there, the likes of Jigsaw have their One Good Adult programme and, and um, even like with the rugby, the RPI uh, had the Tackle Your Feelings campaign. So those guys having them out there and trying to spread the world and show people that it doesn't matter who you are. And, um, you know, we all can be affected by this. I suppose there's still work to be done. If you look at our, our actual health system and the waiting list you see for um, for people struggling with, struggling with their mental health and stuff. And um, but, you know, we'll have a long way to go on that. And I really hope it can improve quickly to get people um, what they need but I suppose I ended up in um, in a St. Patrick's which was a um, mental health institution when I was a young teenager 18 or 19 and when I was there they didn't have an adolescent ward or anything like that and so I was stuck in, in an adult ward which was fine but nowadays there's younger and younger people being admitted into hospital and thankfully now they've developed and they have an adolescent ward so we do see things coming along it's just maybe not quite as quick as we would like 
And it like if you're looking at the community out there, people are more um open or people are opening up a little bit more and more willing to talk about it and help others who are out there, which is great to see. So attitudes are changing. We just still have a way to go in all aspects. And as you say, like it is a lot of lot more younger people kind of presenting with 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 these difficulties and like one of the things I guess for for this generation is is social media and, and look we know that social platforms can have a, a huge impact a negative impact as well on people's uh, mental health like it, do you feel even from from talking to young people or even younger players like that 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 is something that the younger generation are having to deal with a little bit more that social media adds a little bit of pressure as well. Absolutely, there's massive pressure there. You know, social media has its has its positives, obviously, and it has its upsides and. You know, people can use it to share these ideas and stories about mental health and, and get across the, the help that's out there. But you also have the negative side of things with the pressure to look good and the pressure to act and perform a certain way to fit in. And, you know, particularly with students, I'm a secondary school teacher, like I'm in school now and like you see it everywhere, like students coming in and massive pressure to look good and to not stand out and that then for some people goes a lot deeper than that. And they end up with massive anxiety. You end up with bullying then as well with people. You end up with school refusal um, purely because they they have that anxiety about how they look and how they are in society. And, you know, that's something that we really need to work on. So like I'd be a huge advocate of social media for all the good that it does, but I'm very, very aware of the negatives there and the, the pressure that is on young students these days. And that was probably something even during during COVID as well that you know a lot of young people didn't have the the outlet of of school or or socialising and that sort of thing and that I suppose that has a, a massive impact as well. Yeah, look, COVID was tough for everybody, and you know particularly when you're restricted in your access of where you were allowed to go in the in the really tough times there. And for me, like you know, sport and exercise has always been a defining factor in my mood and I'm always been one to if I'm not feeling great to get out for a walk or do a bit of exercise and get those endorphins flowing but a lot of people didn't have those opportunities and a lot of people were isolated and you know whether physically because they had COVID or they were at risk of contracting it or um, you know emotionally in that because they weren't able to connect with friends as much and that would have pushed a lot of people onto social media and online which again has its negatives but Thankfully, we're coming out of COVID. People can interact with their friends more. They can get back playing their sports and stuff like that. But it was definitely a tough time for many, myself included. How just how important was was sport for you in in kind of your your road to recovery? I know it was. I suppose when your story came out first, was it was it by by choice that you that you opened up? Was it just that you felt like you had to 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 kind of make more people aware and to open up on your own journey? It was kind of a mix. I never really planned to talk about it, but uh, after we won the Six Nations in 2015, I was being interviewed by a journalist for a book she was writing, and she kind of asked why I had a bit of a gap in my career, or let's say, or my personal journey. And I basically just said to her that I had been in a, a mental institution and that I was struggling with my mental health during that time. And she asked, was it okay to publish? And an article came out and a, a section in the book came out about it. And then from there... I suppose I had a lot of interest in sharing my story and I'm very happy to do that. So I never actually thought I would, but, um, you know, it benefits so many people um, because it it allows them to realize that it doesn't matter who you are. We can all be struggling with this, but also, you know, that there are so many people out there that are struggling with it because you feel so alone and mental health can be so debilitating and so isolating, you know, and 
once you realize that there's other people out there that can help and that that do understand it makes it so much easier to actually reach out and get that recovery and for me you know it took me a very long time to reach out and ask for help and I, I genuinely thought that there wouldn't be a support network there for me because of the negative feelings I had for myself but I couldn't have been more wrong and all my friends and family and my teammates were so supportive and did everything they could and you know, I'm so grateful because many of those friends were friends I made through sport. And, you know, those friendships, you know, they're still there today. And um, I, I don't know where I'd be without them, you know. And even just sport itself was an hour or two for me where I could get out and forget about all the negative thoughts in my head and just go and do something that I loved, you know. And I wasn't doing it for uh, to lose weight or, you know, burn calories. I was doing it because I loved it and I really enjoyed it. And that's probably one of the important things as well to kind of, you know, when you're when you're struggling, I guess, to latch on to those things that you that you love and enjoy doing. Like, uh, was it a surprise to you at the time? Because you were probably in, in, in a headspace that you didn't realize all the, the support that was there. But when you did eventually open up and, and get all that love from your from your teammates, that must have been, I guess, a weight off your shoulders. Absolutely. Like, and it was so heartwarming for me because I genuinely like and looking back now, I was silly because they've always been great friends and family for me. And I like deep down, I probably should have known that they would support me, but my head had been so warped by all those negative emotions and feelings I had. I genuinely was so shocked when I had such an outpouring of support. You know, I had teammates visiting me in hospital. My mom and dad visited every single day without fail. I had old school teachers dropping in, you know, and it really showed me the impact I had had on people. And, you know, that, I wouldn't be forgotten and that I wasn't a nobody and that, you know, I did matter, but it took me a long time to realize that, you know, and it had to come for me. I had to realize that I did matter. I did care. You know, I did deserve to be happy. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was friends and family and sport that, that made me eventually realize that. Uh, finally, Hannah, uh, what what would you say to, to young people or, or people in general out there listening, maybe you're watching this today, who, who are maybe struggling going through their own uh, mental health difficulties and maybe feel that there's that there is no way out? Well, first thing I would say is obviously like we all feel like that and that you're not alone in how you are feeling, but also that there's always something out there willing to help, whether you know them right now or not. There are so many support networks and services out there. Would you be surprised, um, you know, how much your friends and family want to do everything they can to help you? So I would say to them to reach out and find one person they're willing to, you know, talk to and open up about. And just that first step is so hard to do. But once it's done, you will feel so much better. And that's the first step. You know, you're not going to be feel better overnight, you know, but you can take that first step on that journey to recovery. And as I said, there's always help out there. There's always someone who will understand and who is willing to listen. And, and that's, that's the start you need. Listen, Hannah, you've been, you've been great with your time and uh, really appreciate you sharing your, uh, your story with us for, for, for science week. And um, listen, delighted you're doing so well and uh, really appreciate you, you coming on and sharing all those stories with us. No worries. Thanks a million, Shane. Hi, I'm Shane O'Mara and I'm Professor of Experimental Brain Research at Trinity College Dublin. Brilliant stuff. Uh, well, Shane, this, this area of mental health... I'm uh, an investigator in the Institute and a member of the School of Psychology. Brilliant. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, 
Shane, I suppose this this area of, of mental health is one we've we've dived into on on Science Week, and, and the guys at Science Week have decided to to, to delve into it further. But you, you've spoken before, for example, about how walking, uh, something as simple as walking, can can improve your brain health as well as your physical health. Yeah, so I, I think there's an important message uh, which I'll, I'll give you a slogan to remember, which is that movement is medicine. And we have bodies and brains that are uh, getting around in the world. And uh, every study that we have access to consistently shows that people who are active, who get out and about, enjoy a better state of well-being than people who veg out on the couch. Now, that's not to say that people who are vegging out on the couch don't maybe don't have a good reason for doing that. But getting up and getting some sort of movement going simple way to give yourself a boost in how you feel how important is it that that we i suppose develop and constantly evolve these mental health practices in ireland like can we learn from countries that that maybe in, in your opinion do it do it well i i i don't think a particular country is doing anything well uh, I think we're all in kind of roughly the same kind of zone when you look across different countries. Uh, different countries have different approaches, um, and it's hard to point to one and say, "Well, actually, what we think they're doing in I don't know say Finland or somewhere is what we should be doing here." I, I think every country is running up against the same kinds of constraints. There aren't enough well-qualified uh, mental health practitioners. There's a stigma around the idea of uh, maintaining one's own mental health. Uh, there's a lack of public messaging to do with simple things that can improve your mental health. Now, we've mentioned movement already, but the one that I really want to emphasize also is social connection, that uh, humans are hyper social beings. We shouldn't think of ourselves just as being social animals. We should really think of ourselves as being hyper social animals. And uh, we need contact with other people contact through a screen is fine but uh what we actually need is the three-dimensional presence of another person um in their full size that we can talk and laugh and have all the, the normal human connections with and this is where i think social media actually for all the troubles that they cause or can cause can be very useful because uh you know um on various platforms there are things like walking groups there are the men's shed groups. There's lots and lots of other groups where people can just uh, find out some information about how they can get uh, and get active doing things with other people. I, I suppose COVID taught us taught us that as well, Shane, that these the, the social interactions are, are massively, massively important. Yeah, and I, I think one of the, the, the awful lessons from COVID, particularly for uh, uh, developing uh development has been the big spike in uh, anxiety levels that's been experienced in that group right across the world. Um, and we don't have a good policy response to it. I think, you know, especially in the teenage years, having peers, interacting with peers is a really important thing. It's a required as a kind of a normal part of your social development. In two years were knocked off that. And, it, you know, we, you can see uh, when you look at the, the data across the world, it's had a big impact on children's learning, but I think it's also had an adolescence learning 
also had an impact on each other. And, you know, you, you see them sort of getting back together again. It's almost as if they're having to relearn these things afresh. Uh, so, you know, I, I think COVID has has brought all sorts of terrible lessons for us. And one of them is that interruption in human connection is uh, really something we need to focus on. Uh, finally, Shane, uh, social platforms, um, we, we know that they have a huge impact on, on our mental health as well. And I'm sure there's uh, scientific and research, scientific evidence and research to, to back this up. But it's clearly an area that we need. To yeah. So it, I, I actually it'd be interesting. to. Have a... Yeah. So social platforms are, you know, there's obviously uh, a whole wide variety of them. And we've, we're engaging in this amazing uh, uncontrolled experiment where they're concerned. And, you know, you have everything from Facebook to TikTok to uh, uh, Twitter and uh, the great phrase doom scrolling. You know, there's a, every sort of platform out there. Um, now, the question is, on a platform or the mere villain necessarily a bad thing? So the literature is actually kind of interesting on this. So there's a paper which has just come out in the American Economic Review and uh, what they've done in this paper is look at the staggered introduction of Facebook across U.S. colleges. And I'll quote from the paper. It says, we find the rollout of Facebook at a college had a negative impact on student mental health. It increased the likelihood with which students reported experience academic uh, impairments to a performance due to poor mental health. And they think it's got something to do with social comparisons. Now, the a US paper with the other hand, you know, I, I think there's plenty of evidence that people have found access to platforms like uh, Facebook actually great because it's reestablished a sense of connection with people that, you know, you might have lost contact with. Uh, so I think, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag here. And then we're moving into a, a, an era, a kind of an era, which I think is really interesting, where mental health services are being delivered uh through uh, platforms. So uh, there, there are quite a few of these available now. Some good, some not so good, some re unregulated. So my kind of take would be that uh, these social media platforms are here. They're not going away. Um, and they, like any technology, they can be good uh, and they can be bad, depending on, on the, uh, the use that you put them to. I, as you know, as in all things in life, moderation is a good thing.